Hello, everyone, and welcome to Friend Diagram. This is the podcast where two friends catch up and find common ground between their favorite media. I'm Remy. I'm Kat. And today we will be discussing the films Lake Mungo and Ensemble. Warning, spoilers ahead. Hi, Kat. Hi, Remy. How are you today? I'm doing really well. It's President's Day. Woo-hoo. I have the day off. Happy birthday, George work. Washington. Is that why it's today? I, think I honestly so. don't know. I don't. I feel like more and more, I no longer believe in holidays as an adult. <laughs> like, I believe in not having work, but I don't believe in, like, whatever holiday someone made up. <laughs> Does that make sense? For sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Have you been having a nice day? I have. I've had a bit of a catch-up day because I was traveling this weekend back to Pennsylvania for my best friend from college's wedding, and I had an awesome time. Amazing. so good to see some people that I haven't seen in upwards of 12 years. Awesome. And was just absolutely thrilled to see them and be reminded why I was friends with them 12 (laughs) years ago and how cool they persist to be and just what a wonderful time it was to talk to all of them and catch up. And yeah, it was lovely. And I saw the book club boys from the Cormac McCarthy (laughs) book club and it was great. Did you finally get to have book club without (laughs) the groom? (laughs) One person who will remain nameless still has not finished the book. Oh my gosh. Shame them. No, it's totally fine. (laughs) He gave me a ton of other book recommendations though. So uh, he's completely absolved and I'm totally fine. (laughs) He never finished The Passenger. It's okay. And I'm happy to talk about other books. Yeah. I told them about my writing project and they were extremely supportive and excited. And it was just really awesome. I'm so glad you did that. Yeah, and I got to stay at Corey and Cassie's house Mm -hmm. because, um, what's the word? Serendipitously, the wedding was just like 20 minutes from where they live. So that was a a nice bit of family time as well. Yeah, for sure. Oh, Mm -hmm. well, I'm so glad that that was such a restful and rejuvenating weekend, it sounds like. It wasn't restful, but Not it was really. kind of um, emotionally restorative, yeah. if that makes sense. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, really good time. Um, I was supposed to go to a concert this weekend, and it got canceled the day before the concert oh, and no. shifted to next weekend. So I'll be going to that next weekend, but... Luckily, I, like, called the hotel, and I was like, hey, can Mm -hmm. we just, like, shift my reservation? That way I'm not, like, I haven't paid, like, $200 for a hotel room I can't use. And they were like, Mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. So that was super Mm -hmm. helpful. That's – is that around Boston? No, it's um, up in Portchester. It's near Connecticut. So it's on the New York side of the border. But, Uh, like, 15 minutes away is, like, um, Greenwich. So I see. It's like right there. Yeah. Yeah. I remember it was somewhere north of here, but I couldn't mm-hmm. remember exactly where. Yeah. So we'll do that next weekend. But I had a really restful weekend this weekend and just did a bunch of chores and mm-hmm. watched two movies that I was hoping to catch up on. So yeah, it was really nice. That's cool. I got my Dune 2 tickets Ooh, yesterday. Isn't yeah, that exciting? Yeah. When does that come out again? March? March 1st. March 1st. Oh, that's coming up. It's coming yeah. up. Yeah. You ready yeah. for the worm? 
I'm so ready. Are for you that. gonna get the popcorn bucket? Have no. you seen the popcorn bucket? <laughs> I don't want the popcorn bucket. Of it course, was, I've seen it. It was the talk of um, Bim Bam last week. Last Dude, week's it's the episode. talk of everywhere. <laughs> it was the talk of film Twitter, and then they then they had it on SNL uh-huh. when Iowa DeBerry was the host. Uh huh. And they did a whole <laughs> sketch about it, and. I'm so unsurprised they talked about it on Bim Bam. That is very right funny in their zone. I was content. cracking up. Yeah. Oh, I bet they love that popcorn bucket. Uh, um, no, I'm not planning on getting the Dune popcorn bucket, but I did get Will. Will agreed to go with me because he uh, he's a, a big Denny guy as well mm-hmm. and enjoyed the previous Dune, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dune Part One, and I got us tickets to view it in the Dolby room at the AMC Lincoln Square, which will be my first time in the in the special Dolby theater with the really special sound. So I'm very excited for that. Yeah, that should be really great. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. um, Is Scott excited for that? Yeah. I think we've just kind of forgotten that that's coming up. Oh, no. I, um, for some reason in my mind, I had it in my head you guys were going to see it locally because I know Scott has a lot going yeah. on right now, and I didn't anticipate you making a trip to the city for it, but I could have yeah. been wrong. No, I think also because of how much travel. So, like, we're traveling next weekend out of town, so I think mm-hmm. he'll be a little stressed about it. Yeah. So, <laughs> we we definitely will see it locally, though. Maybe I'll surprise him with that, and I'll not tell him it's coming up, and then I'll have tickets oh, and we can go. fun. Oh, I'll that's be like, sweet. We're gonna go see some worms. Uh, we're gonna go see our best friend, huge worm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What's it, what's it called in the book again? Oh, it's called, um... I really want to learn it, but it always escapes me. Shy Halud. <laughs> Shy Halud <laughs> is the indigenous name for the colossal worm-like creatures living on the desert planet Arrakis. Shy Halud. Sweet. I feel like that should be a greeting for people that love the films. Mm, yeah. <laughs> to be villainy. <laughs> Just like an acknowledgement. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. I'm really excited. Um, yeah. They had the premiere recently and it came out that Anya Taylor-Joy is has a small part in it which is yeah. kind of exciting and oh, so there's speculation on like what part she's playing so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah it should be great yeah I, did you see Zendaya's outfit at the premiere I did yeah she looked like C3PO <laughs> but Z3PO that's what that's <laughs> the thing that. that came to my mind first God, she always looks amazing. She might be the most photogenic person on the planet. It's possible. Yeah. I mean, Florence looked amazing, too. I loved that outfit. Absolutely. She always does. They are killing it with the, Mm -hmm. like, premiere outfits and the, like, lead up to the actual release. Mm -hmm. Everything just looks impeccable. Very cool. Oh, did you see? I'm sure you saw this. All of the like scenes on Austin Butler's planet with the bad guys mm. are like shot and with thermal cameras, oh. which is just sick as hell. And I can't no, wait I for haven't that. I have seen that. That oh, sounds man. cool. Uh, I can't wait. This is going to be so fun. Yeah, it is. I'm so excited. And I think this is going to be the first proper 2024 film that I've seen this year. Cause so far I've just been catching up on 
international 2023 films. Yeah. You might be right, actually. Yeah, because next weekend, I'm traveling again, unfortunately, for work Mm -hmm. this time. But I'm hoping on Sunday, I'm going to be able to catch About Dry Grasses at Film at Lincoln Center. Because it's beginning, it's like one week run there. Cool. So I want to catch that while it's in its short release. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully I can see Drive Away Dolls after that. Because I anticipate that being around longer than a week. For sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ooh, very exciting. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, Oh, I wanted to shout the documentary... 20 Days in Mariupol. This is a documentary I watched this weekend, and it was really, really powerful and definitely gave me a better understanding of the war in Ukraine. And it follows these three journalists that stayed after all of the international journalists had left Mariupol. Um, and they stay there for 20 additional days where there was, they were basically the only people documenting what was happening in that location for Mm -hmm. those 20 days. And it's really, really well edited. It takes all of this raw footage and shows us how they're very, very tiny clips that they were able to send out during that time Mm -hmm. were like incorporated into news broadcasts, which I thought were really, really interesting. But I will say that it's like one of the saddest things that I've ever seen and it mm-hmm. made me cry a lot. But I, I do feel like it's just a really important documentary that's out there. It just won a BAFTA for best documentary and it has an Oscar nomination as well. So if you're able to check it out and you think that that's something that you might appreciate or um, it might give you a better context for that war. I think that it's definitely worth watching and appreciating the danger that these people put themselves through to be able to document the atrocities that were happening. Mm -hmm. Where did you watch it? It's actually available on YouTube. Um, It's a frontline documentary. Yeah. So it's available for free on YouTube. That's where we watched it. Um, But I also think that it might be available on prime as well. So if you want to watch it on like an official streaming service, that's where you mm-hmm. should go and watch that. It's got 100% on rotten, rotten tomatoes right now. And yeah, I mean, I couldn't give it anything less than five stars. It was mm-hmm. just really, really powerful. And I'm like shaking talking about it because it was really just something that was very, important and i just think that it's important to acknowledge that work so um yeah watch it if you can because it was it was really good yeah i'd like to see that i'm glad to hear it's so widely available yeah yeah um frontline does a really good job with all of their documentaries uh that's what scott's been really into recently so We've been watching a lot of those, um, and I appreciate the variety of documentaries that they have available. They kind of range on just kind of following political careers, like um, there's a documentary about how Putin interacts with all of the different presidents and has like that history, so we want to watch that. But there's also ones that are more like human interest type things about our prison systems and things like that, which are a little Hmm. more 
easy for me to stomach. Um, but yeah, just, uh, a really interesting resource and they're all free. So, uh, check those out. They're done by PBS. Thank you, PBS. Thank you, Um, PBS. (laughs) All right. Got to shake off my bad vibes now. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) and get into the other movie that I rated five stars for this week, which was Lake Mungo. Lake Mungo came out in 2008. It was directed by Joel Anderson. And I actually heard about this movie through its multiple mentions on Films to be Buried with, the Brett Goldstein podcast. People very highly revered this film. And so it's just been kind of at the back of my mind, like something I wanted to watch. And this weekend, I finally got around to it. It has a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is very, very high. And I think it's well-deserved. It's streaming on Amazon Prime, if you're interested in checking this out there. Um, I think it has ads because it's through their freebie aspect of the website. But So it's free to anyone. You don't just have to have a Prime member scri- membership. Um, <laughs> member subscription. <laughs> and I thought this movie was so interesting. I knew that it was kind of in a mockumentary style, and that's definitely up my alley. Have you seen this movie? I've seen, I believe, at least half of it. Okay. <laughs> and when you mentioned it, I was like, oh, is that the Australian mm-hmm. mockumentary? Yeah. About a, a thing that transpired around a lake? <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um And so I knew that it was a mockumentary, but I thought that it was different than other mockumentary type films that I'd seen. Mm -hmm. It really felt more, I felt like the production was really, really high. It wasn't just found footage. It had been like edited together in a way that felt more like an episode of Unsolved Mysteries or something exactly, like that. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. With like, like all of these one-on-one interviews. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So good. I really loved that. And the production just felt like very high quality to me. But it tells the story of the Palmer family after their daughter drowns in a local dam by their home. And so Alice drowns and then all of these strange things start happening around the home. The younger brother starts capturing images of her on his camera and it leads to them setting up all of these like constantly filming cameras around their house and they start capturing images of her. It definitely talks about their struggles with their grief and the way that they deal with that. The mother starts like wandering into other people's homes and mm-hmm. uh, just acting kind of strange. So there's definitely a lot of layers to the story, but throughout their kind of investigation of the paranormal activity going on in the home, they start to uncover different secrets about Alice's life and things that they didn't know about her and her mental state prior to her death. And you kind of watch as the family gets this deeper understanding of who their daughter was and what she was going through 
Um, mm-hmm. And I was definitely really engaged with the film. I thought it was edited in a way that really made the story very compelling and made you not be able to really understand like what was real, what was a scam, because they're kind of working with this psychic guy. And so you're like, well, is this guy the real deal? Or is he um, kind of a bad actor taking advantage of this family's grief? Mm -hmm. Um, And I just thought that all of the performances in the film felt really, really genuine and believable. I think that sometimes in mockumentary type films, the acting can leave a bit to be desired. Um, But I didn't feel like it was overacted at all. And I just felt like this could really be a family that was like pulled off the street (laughs) until death act Mm -hmm. these roles, you know? Mm -hmm. They had good chemistry, even in like their one-on-one interviews talking about each other. I thought that it felt like how a family would talk about one another. Mm -hmm. You said you heard about it through films to be buried with. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, did people bring it up as the answer to the question, what is the scariest film you've ever seen? I don't think so. Um, Okay, really? I think it was... Okay, I'm trying to remember the different questions. I think um, the guy who directed The Boogeyman, I think he brought it up more recently. And I think it was one of his favorite films that he referenced. So I can't remember if it was in response to an exact prompt or... Mm -hmm. I wonder if I can look up Rob Sapp. I think his name was Rob Sapp. That sounds familiar. Because it... It is, like, somewhat... Like, what genre would you say it is? Like, I know the style is mockumentary, yeah, but so it's, it's definitely yeah suspenseful and kind of supernatural-ish, yes, right? Yeah, for sure. I So, yes. In answer to your question, <laughs> I would say that it's horror, but I would say that it's less overtly scary and more just chilling. It kind of okay. gives you... Like a sense of dread and foreboding, like as the story is kind of all coming together, mm-hmm. but everything is just more contemplative in nature almost. Like it's just kind of a slower story, but yeah. So I guess it would be more chilling is the word I would use to describe it. Okay. I'm trying to see if there's like a, ooh, there's a transcript. Show full transcript. Can I control F this Control F. Mungo. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. The context that they're talking about is how the director for Lake Mungo just did one film and then it was like amazing and incredible film and now he like doesn't do any filmmaking and he like works for charity and they're like he's doing real work out there and that's really interesting he just like had kind of like a really great film that did did you say the director's name um yes joel anderson joel anderson that's Mm -hmm. really interesting um but yeah they're talking about how that that was like one of their movies that they liked cool um but yeah so that's where i first heard about it but yeah in terms of the vibe i really liked that it was more on that creepy 
scale other rather than being outright scary. I thought that it made it very palatable. I think that anyone could watch this film, even if horror isn't like your or or like if you're easily scared by horror and you kind of avoid it. I think mm-hmm. that this is more just horror light. I think that the way that they've structured it left a lot of opportunity for things to be revealed later. So they didn't tell the story from the end and work forward. They told the story like as things were unraveling for the family. And I Mm -hmm. really like when documentaries are structured like that um, because then there were like multiple twists that you could explore and new details being revealed, which I thought was really great. I thought they did an awesome job with that. But yeah, I mean, I don't have a ton to say about it. I just thought it was a really solid film, and I'm glad I watched it. And um, it might not be everybody's cup of tea, especially if you're going in expecting a super scary horror movie. But Mm -hmm. I thought that it was just really interesting to explore and um, kind of think about the way the individuals in the family are dealing with their grief. That's a main aspect of the film. Um, but then it has that really nice supernatural aspect of it as well, which I Mm -hmm. really enjoyed. So can you think of a good double feature for Lake Mungo? Mm. That's a great question. I was thinking, I was wondering if you would pair like a Benson and Moorhead with this because of the like family drama plus supernatural overtones, like something Mm -hmm. like the endless maybe. I haven't Which seen the also happens around the lake. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> no, that's interesting. I yeah. like that. Um, always want to recommend more Benson and Moorhead. Love them. I do need to watch The Endless, and I do need oh, to yeah, watch the, Check that out. What's the one that came out around the same time as The Endless? I want to say Spring. Spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to watch that one as well. Yeah, I mean, you could even pair it with like Hereditary, which mm, kind of that makes would have sense from what you've said. Yeah. Interesting overlap there. Um, or you could just pair it with a good episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Yes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is great. Really enjoy that. Is ooh, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, is the mystery solved by the end? Mm. There's a mixture. I would say that there are certain parts of the mystery that are solved. And I think that it, there, there are parts of the mystery that remain still a mystery, but the family has processed their grief enough to understand that and feel okay with that. And I think that that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I was satisfied with the ending. I think that. I could see how it could be a little unsatisfying for certain people because it's kind of a non-answer. Like you're expecting something traumatic to have happened to this girl. Like she got drowned or murdered. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the answer there is that she just actually did drown. Like just, okay. it was just an accident, but what they uncover is so much more interesting and hmm. why she is potentially haunting this house. And what her unfinished business might be is the more interesting part of the documentary. Hmm, that's cool. Yeah. So yeah, go check that out. It's on freebie slash prime. And I think that if you're even interested in like horror type stuff, 
I think you could find it really interesting. Yeah. Good pick, Kat. Yeah. All right. Well, my pick this week is also a throwback international film, and it is On Sandi, the 2010 film from your fave and mine, <laughs> director Denis Villeneuve. Denis! This is, I believe, his second feature-length film after Polytechnique, mm-hmm. and On Sandi was co-written by Denis and Valerie Bogard Champagne, and it was based on a play by Wajdi Mawawad. So they had some of that source material, but also, I think, heavily adapted it for the screen. Mm-hmm. And this is a predominantly French-language film, and it begins by following two twins, uh, Jean and Simon Marwad, and they are residing in Montreal, Canada. And when you meet them, they are hearing their late mother's will being read by her former employer, who's a notary called Jean Lebel. And they're two, um, you know, late 20s, early 30s adult siblings. And their mother just recently passed away. And you understand through subtext and flashbacks in the film that they had somewhat of a tense, maybe sometimes fraught relationship with their mother. But she has a very unstandard set of final requests that are laid out in her will by Jean Lebel. And namely, her will establishes the two main mysteries that we are trying to solve throughout the film, which is that she wants her daughter to locate and deliver a letter to their father, whom the twins have never met. And she wants the son to track down and deliver a letter to their brother, which heretofore heretofore they've never even known has existed. And so they're basically given these two final requests of tracking down their father and brother and delivering some sealed letters, presumably their mother's final words to these two family members who they don't know their names. They don't know where they are. They don't know anything about them up to this point. And so this is kind of a huge task that is laid on them at the beginning of the film. Hmm. So she doesn't and- tell them like, oh, this is your father. This no, is what no his name, name was. No clues, Ma'am. no nothing. <laughs> Ma'am. Do you mind giving us a little more info? Yeah. So the two siblings react a bit differently. The sister, she is a little bit more up for the challenge. Mm-hmm. She is a mathematician by profession. I believe she's still in a graduate program for mathematics in Montreal, mm-hmm. but she's also like a course instructor, so she's clearly very high level. And you see her early on talking with her mathematics mentor, and he he seems like a really cool guy and a really good mentor because he's like, you're not going to be able to think about any of these unsolvable problems until you deal with your own personal things going on. So he kind of gives her a blank check of time off to unravel this family mystery, Mm -hmm. which is very sweet. (laughs) And I think good mentorship. (laughs) Uh, But on the other hand, her brother is very, mm, reacts a very different way. 
and almost seems mm, angry and resentful that he's been given this task. Mm -hmm. It it doesn't seem like he had an ideal relationship with his mother, and so he doesn't like being tasked with this extra work and also having these things sprung on him, like the fact Mm -hmm. that he has a brother. Mm -hmm. And so he's more resentful and doesn't participate in a lot of the initial steps in trying to locate these two people. Mm -hmm. But the daughter, the sister, she does take time off from her studies and immediately sets upon trying to locate her father. And unable to do that, she has to travel to the fictionalized Middle East city where her mother was located for a lot of the relevant aspects of her story uh, Mm -hmm. because she traveled around a lot in this region before she eventually emigrated to Canada where they grew up. And so we see the daughter, she travels to Duresh and tries her best piece by piece to uncover her mother's uh, backstory and her travelings in the region and while we watch her unravel that mystery we are seeing flashbacks of her mother living through those different events that brought her to these different decision points in her life um, and her mother was played by Lubna Azabal and she gives a a really, really good performance in this film. She has to play the same character at many different ages Mm. and across many, many different harrowing and emotionally taxing experiences. And so her portrayal of uh, Nawal Marwan is really exceptional, and it really aids the viewer in understanding this mystery and the motivations for that character in a a more hands-on way than just watching somebody hear about it via story decades Mm -hmm. later. So it's, it feels much more visceral as you watch the story unfold and watch the daughter, like learn these different pieces of information. And something you very soon come to find is that the story of the mother is very much intertwined with pressures that were exerted on her, not just by the local customs of how women were treated in that region at the time, but also the intense pressures put on her by civil war and conflict between different sects in that area, and how that pushes her to do things that I'm sure she never expected she would need to do, and also put her in positions that are completely harrowing and unthinkable. And so as the daughter and eventually the son are working to uncover these past events, uh, you see just what extreme circumstances their mother lived through, but never divulged anything to them about. Mm -hmm. And while it's definitely a story that is constructed and framed as a family drama and you're understanding it through the eyes of this family. As these siblings, and actually I should note their team of notaries who are helping them both at home and abroad 
to uncover the the mystery. The themes of the film are very much about un, unending conflicts and the nature of very, very long, ongoing uh, reprisal-based violence. And I think the film is it's really rich in terms of the recurring motifs of opposite themes that it presents you with. So for example, one of the themes that I think is really interesting is that I, I already said the daughter of the twins is a mathematician. She does like pure mathematics in that it's completely abstract equations that are um, described as unsolvable equations. And I believe her brother, her her twin counterpart, works in construction or something similar to that. So literally, like, one of the most concrete professions one could possibly have. Like, it is all based in reality with hands-on actual things. It's not abstract whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And so their viewpoints on the world are opposites in that way. And... I think it's really interesting because the the concept of an unsolvable problem or an unsolvable equation is something that's brought up routinely throughout the movie and it allows people to talk about their philosophies on how to approach such a thing and I think it's really interesting because the daughter starts out being very familiar with unsolvable problems but only in the abstract mathematical sense. Mm -hmm. And as she learns about her mother's history being completely bogged down in the violent conflicts of the place where she was born and lived and traveled throughout, it shows that unsolvable problems can also be very concrete and very lived in and affect you completely, concretely. And so I thought that was a really interesting returning motif throughout the film of how people described these unsolvable conflicts. And there's one person that they meet throughout their interviews or throughout their investigation that says war is an unsolvable math equation. The, and basically that the reprisals go on and on without solution. And so the equation is never balanced. And I thought that was a very interesting way of thinking about it and a really interesting parallel between the daughter's former world and the world that she finds when she looks into her mother's past. So I I thought the movie was really thematically rich without being extremely um, forthcoming with those Mm -hmm. themes. And another thing that I liked is that while you are watching these flashbacks from the mother's past, you are certainly seeing what it's like for someone to live in what seems like an unending cycle of violence, um, which can be often driven by um, either religious differences or land disputes at first, but then eventually completely transform into exchanges of retribution thereafter. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an interesting exchange with some of the notaries, which are trying to help them solve the, the problem. 
solve the mystery, rather. And one of the local notaries in Duresh says that, uh, yeah, unfortunately, notaries have only been around for about a thousand years. If we had been around since the beginning, none of these conflicts would ever arise because we would always know who owns what and who was right about everything. Mm. And I thought that was another really interesting um side of like opposite themes in like objective and subjective conflict mm-hmm. because from the notary's point of view they feel like every conflict is solvable if you have the objective facts but clearly the film is also showing you like despite the objective facts a lot of times people continue these conflicts because of subjective reactions mm-hmm. there's a motorcycle <laughs> <laughs> and so I just thought it, there was, there's so much to dig into with repeated viewings of this film. Mm-hmm. And even though it deals with very heavy subject matter, I thought, uh, Denis Villeneuve did a really, really good job of not shying away from showing violence or depicting violence, but doing it in a very matter of fact and measured way and mm-hmm. not like gratuitous whatsoever it's you know it's very much rooted in a person's experience and it is not it's definitely not um done in a distasteful way whatsoever Mm -hmm. and so while this is certainly um a film that aims to solve these dual mysteries from the beginning uh, i won't give that away but it seems like at least one of the characters throughout their experiences is able to solve the grander question of how do you end a cycle of violence like this that seems so sprawling and so um, like it might last forever. Mm-hmm. And I thought that one character's approach to solve it, to solving that question was very interesting and, and worth thinking about. And Yeah, I definitely don't want to give anything away because the story is a mystery at heart, but I just think this is a really great early work by Denis Villeneuve, and I was really sad that I didn't get to see it screen at Film at Lincoln Center as part of his retrospective that's running right now. Um, I wanted to but because of traveling i wasn't able to but i think people should definitely check it out it's definitely has a lot of elements that remind me especially of a lot of his early work so there's a lot of really great shots of people and offices at universities Mm -hmm. (laughs) he i feel like he had an early um interest in like academics and experts mm-hmm. in the way that he portrays them in Ansandi or Enemy or Arrival, where people oh, yeah. um, are clearly really knowledgeable in something, but still seeking a larger truth. Mm-hmm. I love that that's like a, a thing that he returns to in a lot of his early films. Yeah, um, I never picked up on that. I think that's really awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this is a definitely one that people talk about less from mm-hmm. Denis, but it's definitely worth seeking out, especially and unfortunately because it is still so um, resonant 
to yeah. this day. And um, definitely something that he got a lot of recognition for early. And I think it, it holds up now, certainly. Yeah, that sounds incredible. Where did you find this? Where Did you stream it somewhere? I unfortunately had to rent it on Prime. It's not outright available for streaming anywhere right now, but you can rent it if you are interested. Oh, that makes me want to rewatch Arrival. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's never a bad time to rewatch Arrival. <laughs> oh, while you were talking, mm-hmm. I also thought of something else that I would pair Lake Mungo with. Mm-hmm. And I would choose to pair it with The Haunting of Hill House. Okay. Yeah. For reasons that I will not divulge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Actually, I meant to say, while you were talking about that, I was thinking it would make a good pairing with Don't Look Now, which is another film that is brought up a lot uh-huh. on films to be buried with. Yeah. I think that's how this got led into, actually. Oh, my God. That yeah. would make perfect sense they were sense talking about then. Don't Look Now. <laughs> that would make complete sense okay gotcha because nice. i was i was just watching that this weekend so when you started describing <laughs> like mungo i was like oh that would be such a good double feature with yeah. don't look now <laughs> sweet yeah i've got to watch so that weird yeah that is available on prime oh cool i believe yeah are you ready for friend diagram did you have any last thoughts on on sandy i'm ready for our friend diagram. okay perfect <laughs> Um, the first one that I had, which is, um, a pretty low stakes one is that both of these pieces of media start with a death of a family member Mm -hmm. that kind of launches into a mystery and an investigation. Yeah, definitely. I think that definitely is a common starting point and provides the driving engine for both Mm -hmm. films which is uncovering the unknown past of a family member for sure and similar to that you pointed out that in lake mungo you really liked that the answers are unveiled in order Mm -hmm. to the audience as you progress through the story so like it's not given away early or anything like that that's exactly how it also uh unfolds in ensemble as well you are going through piece by piece, seeing how things happened to the mother in order. Uh, because if you, if you knew the ending at the beginning, everything would be framed completely differently. Mm-hmm. One thing that you brought up that I thought was interesting and I didn't touch on in my initial discussion of Lake Mungo, but is an overlap is that you talked about how the children in Ansandi were not particularly close with their mother. It seemed like there was kind of a tense relationship there. And in Lake Mungo, they touch on how the daughter, Alice, who died, um, her and her mother always had kind of like a tense relationship. Mm. And people say that like maybe they were too similar and that's why they had that tension there. Mm, but interesting. I thought that was interesting where it was kind of, these children and their relationship with their parents that um, was not like the closest that it could have been. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's ever outright explained why Mm -hmm. there's tension between the twins and the mom in Ansandi, but it's interesting you mentioned that because in the portions of Ansandi where the daughter travels to Duresh and the surrounding area to investigate 
um, what happened to her mom when mm-hmm. she was living there. It's funny because there's a lot of visual parallels between the journeys that the mother went on mm-hmm. decades prior and what the daughter is going through as you're watching her do this detection in real time. Mm-hmm. Whether that's like slinging your shoulder bag over your shoulder and trudging down this like steep mountain pass or things of that nature, you definitely get the sense through casting and blocking and framing that these, these women are definitely, definitely related and definitely share some common element of fortitude. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, this is all, it's all like kind of nebulously related, but I would say one definite parallel is that once these are both mysteries mm-hmm. at heart, it seems, and once the answers to those mysteries are unveiled, it definitely requires a good amount of processing from the mm-hmm. remaining family. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, that is definitely the the case for On Sunday. Yeah. Um, another overlap is that there is travel involved in order to solve the mystery. So in Ansandi, she travels to Duresh and in Lake Mungo, the family travels to Lake Mungo to uncover some things that, uh, so Lake Mungo is like a summer camp that Alice would go to with her friends every year. Mm -hmm. And when she gets back from Lake Mungo, she like doesn't have her necklace or her phone. And we kind of find out that that's important. And so the family travels there to go look for those things, Mm -hmm. um, which kind of provides the final bit of evidence. So. Oh, weird. You know, another commonality that I was just thinking about, there's a lot of swimming in both of these, I think. Oh, really? Um, (laughs) Counterintuitively, there's a lot of swimming in Ansandi in the lives, the snippets of the lives that we're seeing in Montreal, mm-hmm. which I think is is another direct uh, depiction of opposites because all of the harrowing experiences that are unfolding in the desert are mm-hmm. often um, presented adjacent to a lot of swimming sequences in pools mm-hmm. in Montreal. And I, I guess I'm reading into that as like desert versus pool as some type of opposite imagery that's being mm-hmm. invoked. But there's so much pool action, like it's gotta, it has yeah. to be on purpose. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that when you're living in a place where you can like swim and do things for play and do things for fun, then mm-hmm. that contrasts with a war torn area or a violence torn area. Yeah, um, absolutely where you don't have the safety to do fun things because Mm-mm. you're too. You're just trying to survive. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. There's definitely a lot of swimming. Um, And another overlap that I thought of was you talked about how there are these measured depictions of violence mm-hmm. on screen in Ansandi. And I would say that, there's very little like direct violence in Lake Mungo, but I would say like when you're looking at the drowned body, you know, it, it doesn't like linger on it so mm-hmm. much that you like, uh, I, I would say that it, it has a tasteful 
mm-hmm. um, depiction of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I would say that that's an overlap for sure. Mm-hmm. That's a good number of overlaps, I think. Go check out Lake Mungo over on Freebie and check out Denis Villeneuve's Incendie, which you can rent from Amazon Prime. Thanks for joining us this week on Friend Diagram. Thank you to Tyler Seek for the creation of our intro and outro music. Did you take any of our recommendations? Have any thoughts on the show? Let us know at frienddiagrampod at gmail.com and we might read your email on a future episode. If you can, please take a moment to rate and review the show on your podcast app of choice. And we'll see you back here, same place, next week. Bye for now.